Hi, welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I'm Jeff Cranson. Today, I'm going to speak with Jason Gutting, who was recently promoted to be the director of the Bureau of Field Services at MDOT. I cannot overstate what an important job that is, overseeing everything from you know, snow plowing and winter maintenance to actual road construction to what goes on in the testing and implementation of various materials for roads and bridges and intelligent transportation systems and just a whole lot of things. So Jason, thanks again for taking time to do this. Uh, you've done a lot of things at MDOT to prepare you for this this role, but let's talk about that first, some of your background and uh, you know how you got to where you are, and then we'll talk about the Bureau of Field Services, which is a name a lot of people might not understand, and it takes in a lot. It's a it's a huge umbrella, really. But uh, let's let's just start with some of your background. Yes, thanks, Jeff. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to to chat about this. So, um, I came to the department about 24 years ago and started at a transportation service center in the design area, and migrated quickly to the construction area of that office and found out I thoroughly enjoyed uh, construction activities, being out on project sites, building things. That's kind of what I always did as a child, and that w- that's what drives my heart. So it was uh, very exciting to be provided that opportunity. Worked in the TSC for several years, then came over to central office and worked in our contracts area. A little bigger picture uh, from a, a TSC, which would uh, serve multiple counties, to a statewide aspect dealing with contracts in our contracts area. Then was provided an opportunity to uh, start some operations initiatives before our main uh, development of that area. So got to go to uh, numerous conferences and uh, talk nationally about how folks are doing that. Started out with a you know a smaller group of congestion and mobility folks and commercial vehicle and traffic incident management, uh, and that was great. Provided that opportunity was wonderful. And then uh, another opportunity was available to come back to central office in the construction area. And I was pretty excited about that, pretty nervous. It was a a new position they were developing to enhance statewide alignment uh, for our construction administration and field operations area. So worked in that for, uh, you know, six years or so had the opportunity to apply. Uh, my, my supervisor at the time decided to retire after 13 years in that position. And when she left, I applied and uh, I was humbly offered that job and I accepted and have been a division administrator up until recently where I was offered the Bureau of Field Services Bureau Director position. And that's where I am today, uh, as of this week, starting on Monday. Let's talk about the the Bureau of Field Services. Um, we have some big bureaus at, at MDOT. One is is finance, which handles you know obviously a lot of accounting and a lot of contracting. And we've got one for planning, the Bureau of Transportation Planning, which uh, looks at all kinds of things, including pavement condition and helps figure out uh, what should be fixed and and when and how far out we can plan to have money and resources to do something, and then. Another one that's development that looks at everything from, you know, permitting to designing and developing projects. 
And yours, which handles everything from construction, the actual work on the roads, to testing materials, looking at materials, and maintenance, including you know snow plowing in the winter and intelligent transportation systems, which most people probably don't know what that means, but it involves uh, you know helping us operate more intelligently and and how we move traffic and how we communicate with drivers and try to do everything we can to to make operations efficient and safe. Um, all that now under you. Uh, what do you what what do you think you'll draw on to to help you succeed and maybe you know maybe affect some innovations in the bureau? Yes, uh, when I was in operations before it. it it provided me with a, a good background. I, I attended the uh, operations academy that they offer down on uh, the I-75 initiative. And I think that's going to give me a, a good perspective from for the transportation systems management operations side, which is one area of the bureau, like you said. And, that, and that's a lot of words. But that encompasses exactly what you mentioned, the intelligent transportation, the maintenance group, our fleet folks, our facility folks, so a lot of movement in there, very dynamic area in the bigger picture. And we have fantastic leadership uh, in those in that division and throughout that area that's going to help me transition there because it's been obviously, like I mentioned, a few years since I've been there. Uh, and the research area that we have is going well. And I don't know if the, the public generally knows about the substantial amount of research we do to bring in and encourage innovations. And we tap into a lot of our local uh, universities as centers of excellence to help us to be very dynamic and very nimble when we're trying to get innovations reviewed uh, and tried and true so we can actually start implementing those and have things delivered to the public. There's been several innovations that have come up in general. One of them that was mentioned to me that I think folks will see is on ramps, you'll see a speed detection sign and uh, a placard that will show the speed of the vehicle. And, and we've had a lot of traffic incidents on some ramps with uh, folks driving on those and not realizing uh, the ramp is uh, got a lot of curvature on it. So you need to slow down. We've got advisory plaques and there's been some traffic accidents, some crashes, I should say. And that placard now will advise motorists of their speed, and it's mounted on the placard of the advisement speed itself. So this morning, actually coming to a meeting downtown, I was driving by an interchange ramp, an interchange to interchange ramp, and there was a 18-wheeler driving, and they were actually doing the advising speed, the advised speed and it was showing on the plaque. And I'm like, wow, I just witnessed that actually helping because those trucks, uh, when they have incidents, it usually closes freeways. And so the fact that a driver was taking that into account and going around the ramp at the uh, posted advice speed is a great safety benefit for everybody because it keeps the, the freeway system moving and not backed up in general. That's, yeah, that's, that's an excellent point. And, uh, that's just one example of, I think, more of what to come, what is to come. Let's talk a little bit. This was in your immediate bailiwick in the job that you're transitioning out of now into a broader jo job that oversees this, among other things. 
Um, materials, as you know, I think some of the biggest myths we deal with on our social media pages and in various uh, legislative meetings and panel discussions, and it, it just comes up all the time. Um, there's this widespread misunderstanding about, you know, how aggressively and how robustly MDOT and other DOTs, you know, look at materials and tests to see what's going on with, you know, concrete or asphalt or steel or, you know, anything that goes into our roads and bridges. I mean, how do you how do you talk about that? And what do you say to somebody who thinks that we operate in isolation and don't know that we're part of, you know, national organizations and exchange all kinds of information with other states and that there's specifications and standards set by the Federal Highway Administration. And, um, you know, there's some leeway within the states because there's obviously different soils and different conditions. But for the most part, there are some pretty high level specs we have to follow. Right. Yes. Absolutely, Jeff. Uh, all of our contracts have uh, specifications that contractors have to follow, and those have been vetted out with the FHWA. But at the same time, like you mentioned, there are national teams that work on general specifications, and the states play off those general specifications. So they are, for all intents and purposes, relatively aligned. Like you said, there's obviously some different differences in states and weather considerations, the uh, topography of the state, the geologic uh, basins and uh, formations in their state. But in general, our specifications are in aligned uh, with a lot of states. And we talk about that frequently. There's a, a specification for materials right down in Ohio, and they talk to us, we talk to them. What are you folks doing? You know, there's information exchanged on a professional level. So there is a lot of involvement in materials and we do a substantial amount of testing on materials, both during projects and before projects. And as one example, we have physical property testing from for aggregates and we test those before an aggregate source is even approved to supply aggregates for different types of work. You'll see aggregates on shoulders, you'll see aggregates used in concrete, uh, you'll see uh, bridges you'll cross. Aggregates are used in the concrete bridge beams as well as steel is tested. So we do a lot of testing. We have labs here in the central office that do that and ensure that the materials we're using are per specification. Uh, and like you said, those are vetted. Those are vetted with our federal partners to ensure that we are uh, make, making sure we're compliance with the Code of Federal Regulations as well. Stay with us. We'll have more on the other side of this important message. Avoid the wait and remember the Mackinac Bridge is closed to traffic Labor Day for the annual bridge walk starting at 6.30 a.m. Spend some extra time in the UP or take your time heading north since the bridge won't reopen to traffic until noon to allow walkers to clear the bridge. For more information, head to MackinawBridge.org slash walk. A few years back, you know, we had a lot of questions because... M6, which is still the state's newest freeway um, on the, the west side of the state running south of Grand Rapids, basically connecting 96 east of Grand Rapids with 196 west of Grand Rapids. And there was some premature concrete failure. And what we found out was that what we were experiencing was going on in several states, usually northern states. And they went together and paid for a pooled study at at Iowa State, uh, which happens to, to house uh, the National Concrete Pavement Technology Center. Um, and 
an expert there, really smart guy, Dr. Peter Taylor, actually came to Grand Rapids and participated in a news conference to explain what was going on with it at the time and why other states were experiencing the same thing and why they all paid for a study to look at it. Um, th- this kind of thing is going to happen. Um, how, how do you talk about that and, and how do you tell people that, you know, we have to deal with things when they when they do happen? Yes, that's a, a great topic, Jeff. The the thing I would focus on, like you had mentioned, is we are not in a silo when it comes to material challenges. And that's a great example you provided that this was occurring in other states and there is dialogue occurring with our national associations. So things that happen here don't happen in isolation. And we do talk about that with other states as to how they're addressing it. There's research studies that we'll put through to find out, hey, what we had thought before, now with maybe some of the things that we're using, there might be impacts from uh, some of the deicer chemicals we're using. Things that we might not have known or might not have been used in the past are now being investigated to make sure that the long-term performance is up to our standards and our specifications. So we're delivering the, the highest quality transportation project. You know, you know this better than me because you've worked in government a long time, but people say government should operate like a business and businesses have to take chances sometimes, take take risks that the only way you can innovate or reinvent is to try something. But if you do that in government and it doesn't work, you know, then you're pilloried for that. So you kind of always feel like you're playing with at least one hand tied behind your back. And I, I guess I'm I'm not asking you to necessarily <laughs> comment on that, but uh, is that a, a fair assessment of how it feels? Yeah, it's a fair assessment. Absolutely. We, we are very cautious and thorough when we are trying something new or piloting something. We do it on a very controlled environment on usually a, a typically on a pilot location or a pilot project just to make sure that in general things are going okay because like you had mentioned uh, we're on a public scale so any kind of failure or any kind of trip is viewed uh, pretty intensely by those who might not know the full uh, definition or uh, the project information as to what we're trying and what we're doing but yeah we're very conscious of that uh, and making sure that we're being good stewards of taxpayer money. So it is very controlled environment rather than widespread, instantly doing something. So we uh, we we do review that in for research projects as well. Yeah, and I think that uh, the important thing is that we just constantly explain it. And we've got, uh, you know, some very popular social media feeds. And I think we, you know, we, we do a good job of trying to answer these questions and and knock down the myths and explain those things. So let's talk about another item that's, you know, on everybody's mind. And I know uh, some of the Midwest states got together uh, for a conference last week in Wisconsin, and this was something that they talked about and and lamented together and commiserated and shared information about. Um, What are you seeing now with inflation and its effect on the bids? Are, are, Are things improving now a few years out from the worst of the pandemic, or are we still uh, in the in the throes of labor shortages and and supply chain challenges? You know, uh, we're in my mind, Jeff, we're somewhere in between those. We really haven't seen, you know, costs come down. If anything, they might have steadied for a little bit. The, the, The challenges in general is that 
there was a big shift and change in the workforce because of COVID. Um, the implications have been on supply chains. I'm sure folks have read articles that uh, there's trucker shortages. You know, we might have, be able to get all the materials at our big ports of entry on the coasts, but then they sit there with uh, with their loads ready to go because we don't have enough truck drivers to actually get the products where they need to go. So there's still implications in that supply chain, and we're still seeing that. We, on our construction projects, we see additional time needed uh, that we have to schedule for because of long lead times on materials. And then we also have to deal with additional material costs. Things are, in, uh, costs are going up in general because of uh, labor workforce shortages and having to hire folks and maybe pay a little bit uh, additional to get to retain them. All of that implication from uh, the pandemic is still it's still being felt to a certain extent, you know, the, the limited uh, resources, the workforce limitations, the additional costs, uh, all of that is still still being felt. And so we're still seeing additional costs. So what we might have planned uh, to do for X amount of money, there's a slight reduction in some of that work. So folks are seeing a lot of work right now and, uh, the, the work will will slow down a little bit as uh, the costs continue to uh, rise. And that yeah, is, that, that makes sense. Um, I mean, I mean, I mean, what can we do? Right. We're at the mercy of, of the market. Yes. Yeah. And we are a low bid system, so we're always getting, you know, the best bang for the buck, shall we say, because it's it's selected based on the lowest bid and our specifications control that. So we are trying to make sure that our dollar goes as far as possible. It's just contractors are still dealing with, you know, getting materials and getting them timely. And then they might have to order, um, you know, premium delivery to get it on time for our projects. There's a lot of things that are impacting their costs. And so they have not been able to bring costs back down because the, we haven't seen those costs decrease across the industry at this point in time. So tying into that, you're taking on this new role at a, you know, at a particularly busy and challenging time. We've already been in the throes of an unprecedented investment. Uh, what we've done with the Rebuilding Michigan plan on top of the regular program, and we've got, you know, more bonds to sell and more Rebuilding Michigan roads to fix. Um, so, you know, how do you feel when you look at all that? Uh, is it is it a little overwhelming or is it exciting, like you say? I, I go with the exciting route, honestly, Jeff. Uh, there's a lot to do. Uh, there's a lot of opportunities to enhance things. We've got, like you had mentioned, it's a very exciting time in general in transportation related to some of the technologies. There's a lot of dialogue on electric vehicles and autonomous vehicles and pilot projects around the state that folks will see in our press releases. And that's all very exciting in the bigger picture of safety to reduce the crashes and the severe injuries that we have on our roadway. So it is exciting time for that. And it is exciting to be able to uh, be part of that as we move forward uh, as a department. So you're also taking on 
maintenance, which is, you know, a whole nother thing. And uh, especially when it comes to coordinating with the local agencies that do the vast majority of our snow plowing uh, across yeah. the state. Um, how do you feel about having that in your portfolio? Uh, I would still use the word excited. Uh, I would like <laughs> to get out and possibly uh, ride in a, in a plow vehicle. It uh, It's a whole different world from what I've told been told. I when I when I've been in construction, obviously things we do become maintenance activities after we're done with the construction activity. So now I'm I'm adding to my portfolio, shall we say, the the aspect of life cycle beyond construction being the operations and maintenance side. And so I, I'm very excited about that. I, I appreciate our maintenance staff. They do a lot. It's amazing to me on some of these major snow events we have, uh, how well I can get around uh, on the freeways, on the interstates. And it's thanks to those folks that work tirelessly and numerous hours and overtime to make sure that our corridors can keep moving commercial traffic, residential traffic, or uh, personal traffic as well. So I'm very excited. I'm a little intimidated. Uh, there's, It's a big area and they have a lot of responsibility, but uh, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Well, I appreciate that, and I'm glad that you're excited about it. It's it's a lot to take on, but you uh, you've always managed to rise to all of the challenges and the other positions you've had, and I'm no doubt that you will on this one too. Um, thanks for taking time to talk about these things, and I'm sure that uh, we'll talk some more as you really get into the job and start to implement some of the changes that you'd like. Yes, absolutely. I I appreciate the time, Jeff. It is fantastic to be able to talk to you. I'd like to thank you once more for tuning in to Talking Michigan Transportation. You can find show notes and more on Apple Podcasts or Buzzsprout. I also want to acknowledge the talented people who help make this a reality each week, starting with Randy Debler, who skillfully edits the audio, Jesse Ball, who proofs the content, Courtney Bates, who posts the podcast to various platforms, and Jackie Salinas, who transcribes the audio to make it accessible to all. 